It's not the five PhDs that you talked about that qualifies you. It's not the coaching certifications. It's not the, it's not any of those things. It's not, you know, the stamp of approval from good housekeeping. Life qualifies you. Life has qualified you to be sitting here doing this work. My life has certainly qualified me. I know what it's like to come from nothing and to create everything. I know that everything is possible. Don't try to tell me that it isn't because I know I lived it, right? So when I do this work that I do, and sure, I have fancy trainings and backgrounds and all of that has been super helpful, but it is life that qualified me. Just shift your perspective when it comes to this idea of being an imposter. No, you've lived it. (laughs) You get to share it. This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, mindset, and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. We can't talk about human potential without discussing mindset. It is not relegated to the domain of physiology that we are embarking on this conversation. And while I used to be so focused on this idea of biohacking, how do we optimize our physiology, what I recognize then and talk more openly about now is that all of these things start with mindset. There is not a series of supplements or foods or psychedelics that I can hand to you that will replace the work that you need to do with respect to your own mindset. The retelling and the understanding of the stories that you share about your life, that contribute to your construct of identity, these elements more than anything else will drive your potential and your future state. It is hard, if not impossible, for you to make decisions with respect to your health if those decisions are not congruent with the identity that you see yourself in in the future. If you do not see yourself as this healthy, powerful, contributing person, And it's so challenging to make the decisions today that inform its creation. My guest today, Cynthia Garcia, shares with us not only a profound personal story, but really the tools that we need to have in place to go from and take us from a place where we are unstuck to, frankly, we are unbridled in our access of our own potential. It was a powerful conversation just as we, as we move through Cynthia's story, but it was, it was incredibly pragmatic where we move to in terms of the steps that we need to take as individuals to start to deconstruct those limiting beliefs that are holding us back and the ingredients that need to be in place for us to make decisions around who we want to be in the future. Cynthia is so much fun and so articulate and we got into such amazing stuff that if you are ready to step into a bigger version of who you want to be, if you feel a little bit stuck, I feel like we all feel a little bit stuck through this emotional concussion that has been the last two years, I promise you, you are going to pull incredible new tools for thinking and new tools for action as you build out the new version of yourself. We are going from stuck to unbound, total and complete potential. The conversation with Cynthia was amazing. And I'm so excited that you get to listen to it now.
Cynthia Garcia, welcome to Impact. Hi, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. I adore you. I think you know that, but this is so exciting to sit down and chat about all things impactful. <laughs> well, I'm delighted you are here. And it's funny because I was just I was just saying before we we hit start on this that in terms of where we can go and have this conversation, your your team delightfully uh, provided me with this plethora of topics. And I was looking through them and and understanding that the series we're in right now is really about optimizing human potential. And it struck me, and we were both talking about this observation in our own audiences, that a lot of us are feeling stuck right now in different areas of our lives. And I'm feeling stuck in certain areas. I feel like I've got flow in some and stuck in others. And the stuck ones I've kind of put in a closet for now. But this this feeling of, of stuck and the sentiments of doubt, uh, I think are creeping in for people and surprising some high performance people right yeah. now. And so where we're going to go today, just so everyone understands the journey we're about to partake upon, is we're going to go from unstuck to unstoppable. So hang with us because... Literally, we are going to transform and create transition over the course of the next 30 minutes or so. Before we do that, Cynthia, can you share with my audience a little bit about your story? You have this beautiful, compelling story. I feel like part of your story is like what we're talking about today. You have, you yeah. have lived these elements in your own life, and I'd love for people to hear that from you. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to. So I will keep it brief because like everyone, all of our stories are long and in-depth and multifaceted and all of those things. But yeah, I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains of Southwest Virginia, and there was not a lot of opportunity. Uh, my family didn't have a lot of money. In fact, we were so far below the poverty line. I didn't know there was one. We lived in this little tiny house where you had to go outside to get to the kitchen, which I know sounds random. But there was no running water. There wasn't a lot of heat. We had one old wood stove in a back bedroom that somehow managed to kind of heat the house. And with that came kind of what you might expect in that kind of situation. There was a lot of domestic violence in my home. My dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict, and my mother was a bipolar narcissist. And so it was a tough time. And both of them had had extreme trauma in their backgrounds that had been through so much. They had lost their first son when he was only two through a horrible accident. Um, my dad had been in a car accident that killed him three times. He died three times and came back each time and um, had a steel plate in his head and um, one arm was paralyzed and you know he didn't have a lot of mobility. And so as a result, couldn't work. My mom stayed home and, and took care of him. And so we didn't really have any income except government assistance. And it was tough, Megan, to, to say the least. You know, there was a lot of anger, a lot of just, again, violence at all times. Uh, there was a lot of abuse, physical, emotional. I was sexually abused starting at just the age of five, and then things didn't really get any better. And so I had always thought, though, there's got to be a way out of this. And I don't really know where that came from. I don't know if I was born with it. I do know when I was very young and the yelling would start in the next room, in addition to dropping to my hands and knees to pray, I would read. And books is how I got lost. Stories is how I took myself out of the chaos that was happening and into a different world, a world where there was peace and love and beauty and happiness and opportunity and 
possibility. And so I decided that, you know, I didn't know at the time that was a trauma response and a way of coping and a survival mechanism. But I did decide that my life was not going to be that way. Now, I had no idea how I was going to get out of it, but I thought I could do this. I have to do this. I don't have a choice. Long story short, I started working at a very young age. I saved up my money. And finally, Megan, I was able to move out of this small town. I went as far as I could get without leaving the country. Uh, True story. I went to Los Angeles, California, and I thought I did it. I remember getting off the plane thinking, oh, hallelujah, I've arrived. I've done it. I'm here. And it wasn't long after that, things quickly spiraled. But before that, I decided that I wanted to see the ocean because that would have been the ultimate manifestation of going from, you know, this this home that was, you know, kind of the shack and no opportunity to this huge body of water where, you know, it was just vast. There was no other side. Everything was possible. I got in my car, I drove down Sunset Boulevard, I took it all the way to PCH and I got out and there was the ocean. And again, I'm thinking, whoa, I did it. But Megan, as soon as I had that feeling, it was as if the bottom dropped out and my stomach felt like there was bricks in it and I was physically nauseous because I realized in that moment that no matter where I went, there I was that I had left the pain and the trauma and the drama behind, so I thought. But in fact, I had just taken everything with me. The only thing that was different was the location that I was in. It was just a little nicer than what I came from. And so anyways, that started this whole spiral of me hitting rock bottom, um, becoming very unhealthy, going through some extreme health struggles where I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue. I had short-term memory loss. I was overweight. Uh, I couldn't work based on, because I worked in the modeling and entertainment industry. And so I tried everything thinking, surely there's a way out of this. I couldn't find anything that worked. I hit rock bottom, decided suicide was the only way out. And it was the night that I sat on the dark floor with a handful of pills, deciding that I had given it a really good shot, that I had this Mm, awakening. There was this voice inside. I don't know a better way to explain it. I, I just heard it. And it said, you know, these things have happened for you. And I thought, okay, well, this is crazy. Like, why would any of this happen to anyone? Because I, you know, I was stuck in my moment. I was stuck in my story of why me? Why are all of these things happened to me my whole life? This is supposed to be my new opportunity. Why? Why me? And so I realized in that moment that it was for a reason. And I was being called to a higher purpose, to a higher path. And so I realized that it wasn't just me that was struggling. It was other people. It was so many other people, in fact, who were unhappy, who were unhealthy, who had tried to search for all the answers and couldn't find any. So that night I made it a mission. I made a pact with the universe, if you will, God's source, whatever that is for you. And I said, if you'll open the door, I'll walk through it and I will commit my life to helping other people see the possibility and then get whatever it is that they want in their life. Create a life so good they're only jealous of themselves. And that's what I've done Ever since, I found a way to heal my health. I created a whole method around that because I couldn't find anything that worked. I've since opened two coaching schools, a nutrition coaching school and a life coaching school to help people realize their dreams, uh, whatever that is in the world, and to help people be coaches and do the work that is so desperately needed in the world. And I've met some really cool people, you included. And that brings us... Maybe not so quickly to where we are now. Where we are right now. Well, I, you know, I, I appreciate, I appreciate everything you just shared. Thank you. And 
you said something, you said a lot of things in there, but one in particular, sort of in passing, you're like, I was stuck in my story. And I actually think a lot of people are stuck in their story, almost as if that's the starting place of the stuck piece is we're stuck in our story and we're like, oh, I have imposter syndrome, or I have this, or I have this, which I think are just symptomatic of being stuck in our story. Can we unpack that a little bit? Like, what does that actually mean? And how do we go from being stuck in, like, what is the first step to getting out of that sticky box? Sure, sure. Yeah. So when I say, um, you know, we're stuck in our stories, what I mean is, is this, there are things that happen to us in our lives, you know, we're cut off in traffic, a relationship ends badly, poor health, what have you. But those are just events. They have no meaning by default, but we are humans and we have these wild and crazy brains and we find it necessary for our survival to give meaning to things that happen. In other words, we tell stories. Now, these stories that we tell, most of the time, Megan, they're not even true. We're the only ones that decide that they are. And then we live the rest of our lives as if we were right. And most of the time, we were wrong. But the reason it's so important to talk about our stories is that our stories create ourselves. In fact, the most important story you will ever tell yourself is the story about yourself. I'm not a morning person. Sure, Megan can be successful, but it's not for me. I don't have what it takes. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I don't have the right background. Who would buy things from me? So on and so forth. These are all stories and you're the only person who has decided that they're true. So to answer your question of like, where do we even start? Starting point is always awareness, right? It's it's self-awareness. It's, oh, okay, this is just me telling the story again. I wonder if it's true. And then having the audacity, if you will, to go against the grain of your own beliefs and say, this is just a story. I'm the one that created this. And if I created this story, then I can create a new one. I can rewrite this story into one that better serves me. So just starting to be aware in your everyday life of when you're telling stories. You know, when someone hands you an opportunity and say, oh, I would, but I I don't have time. Really? Is that a story? I just don't know enough story. Uh, I, I'm just not good at this. Well, that's a story, right? If you tack on yes, then maybe that's true. Uh, and you can always get better. But that's really where we start is with this idea of just becoming aware of the stories that are rotating through our heads every single day, because that's what keeps us stuck. So interesting. As you're talking about this, I was thinking about the health industry and I, the notion of imposter syndrome, I find pervasive. Uh, amongst us, we, you know, we never, we're, we're just so trained and have been in school for 8,000 years that we kind of feel like we're never done. And so while we simultaneously have this course of conversation happening in my head, I'm not good enough to show up on Instagram and talk about health yet, despite like five PhDs. <laughs> I'm also equally angry at the person who has like an hour of training and has no qualms about stepping in and, and sharing and, and teaching. I find it that lack of congruence so, so fascinating. And I just want to, I want to break it apart because I, I do think there are so many experts in all sorts of disciplines who are holding themselves back with this, this concept of imposter syndrome. And even my mom, she was visiting the other day and we were chatting about this. She's 72 years old. She was a school principal. And she, she was like, I thought I was the one who had that feeling that I was un, so insufficiently qualified to step up on stage and lead whatever was, was going on. She thought, I thought that was uniquely me. And I was like, oh, no, no, like that's a thing that we do uh, to hold ourselves back. How do you help to unpack imposter syndrome in the groups and individuals that you work with? Gosh, I get this so much. This is like the biggest question, whether I'm it's working with... It's like the biggest with... thing, 
though. It's like it's huge. It's huge. I mean, and I don't care, Megan, if I'm working with a, a celebrity that we've all known, seen, trust, and love, or a, a CEO of an organization, or you know, a, a, a mama down the street. It, it's all the same for all of us. And I think that it's interesting. There's there's a lot of different ways that we can look at this. The first one that I'll share with you. Uh, sometimes I get a little pushback on, but let's go there anyway. Let's do the it first. Let's just do it. Maybe you feel like you you're an imposter. Because you are. You can see why I get pushed back. So here's the thing. I see so many people out there, Megan, and and I know you do too. And they have this great expertise and they're super cool. They're fun. They're funny. They're interesting. They have great stories to tell. They have amazing backgrounds. They're highly accomplished. And yet they don't trust who they are. Instead, they look around the inter-social webs and they see somebody who's better than they are, who's funnier, who's smarter, who is dressed a little nicer, who says things in a way that people tend to respond to. And they think, huh, well, instead of being me, this cool cat that I am, I'm going to be her. I'm going to be him. I'm going to be them. And they try and they try to mimic other people's actions. And I mean, if you look around, it's like there's so many cookie cutter quote unquote, thought experts. Now, I can't rectify those two in my head. Maybe you can. But that's the first thing to pay attention to is maybe you're an imposter because you are. Maybe you're, you're not really living your truth. Maybe you're not saying the things that you really want to say because you're afraid of what other people will think of you because you're afraid of other people judging mm-hmm. you because you're afraid of other people questioning you if, heaven forbid, you have some sort of alternative approach to things, right? Or some unpopular opinion. And so I think the first thing is to get really clear. Uh, Are you being an imposter? Uh, Are you being a fraud to your own self? You know, are you standing in your truth and saying what you mean and, and and then backing that up? If not, that's a great place to start. Why? Why is that? Which leads us into the second thing I would consider or ask everyone to consider looking at, which is where does this come from? Where does this idea of not being, you know, good enough um, or worthy enough of putting yourself out there, where does that come from? You know, in this world that we live in, there is a lot of drama these days. There's a lot of trauma these days, if we're all telling the truth. And people are really quick to lash out. I know you've seen this, like on planes, people are getting kicked off of planes because they're starting fights. And it's insane. I mean, the whole world is just like mad, it feels like. And so one of the questions instead of, you know, saying, what's wrong with you, Megan? What's going on? Is I like to say, what happened to you? I, I wonder what happened because anger is just hurt, right? It, it, it's pain. Um, there's something going on underneath the surface and we respond in anger as a defense mechanism. And so I love asking this question this day, uh, these days of what happened to you? And so when it comes to imposter syndrome and looking at why do you feel this way? Where does this thought come from? Where does this belief come from? What happened to you? Because once upon a time, little Megan was told that she wasn't good enough. She was made to feel as if she didn't fit in because of a story she told, right? Maybe little Megan showed up to um, a friend's birthday party when she was young. And, uh, you know, maybe these little girls were doing their thing and maybe Megan was teased. And maybe they said, oh, little Megan, you know, you you don't have the cool shoes that we're all wearing. Or why did you wear that silly outfit? Or who did your hair? Maybe you were the butt of the jokes, right? And then little Megan told herself a story. I don't fit in. I'm not good enough here. 
And so the interesting thing that happens with our brains is that, first of all, our brains believe everything that we tell it, right? It doesn't know the difference between something that's really happening right in front of you and something that you're just making up in your head. Now, this is why if you've ever had an argument with someone, we all have, I certainly have, and then an hour or five hours later, I'm thinking of all the things I should have said. You know, well, I should have said, next time I'll just tell her, you know, and what happens? Well, our hearts start racing, our palms get sweaty, we're immediately engaged. But why? Nothing is happening. It's not like you're actually saying these things to this person, but your brain doesn't know the difference. And so before the age of eight, your brain is very malleable. It's taking notes. It is writing down your stories. It is figuring out how to live and how to be in this world with other people. And so when six-year-old little Megan says, gosh, I'm, I'm not good enough, right? Even though that's a story and she's plenty good enough and how great for her that she dared to stand out, the brain is saying, got it. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. You don't belong here. So from there on out, we do this thing called looping. And that's where we gather evidence that the story that we told ourselves at six years old was actually true. You know, when Megan is 18 years old and gets stood up on that blind date, she says, "Mm, that's right. I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. And so that's, again, the brain's way of making us feel safe. It's like, oh, see, you are who you thought you were. Everything is good. We're solid here. So the fact of the matter is, and I know this is a long answer, but the fact of the matter is our thoughts do not create our reality. Have you ever heard that your thoughts create your mm-hmm. reality? Well, that's, it, it's cute, but it's just not true. I mean, we have tens of thousands of thoughts a day. If we really acted on all of those, we'd, the world would be a very interesting place. Your beliefs create your reality and your beliefs are just these stories that you've told coupled with this deep emotion that roots it in your body and in your brain. And then you act accordingly for the rest of your life until you decide to rewrite that story. So the real work and the real reason that you may have thought, well, I've tried to change my thoughts. I've read the books. I went to Bali. I ate, I prayed, I loved, but nothing changed is because you're not going back and addressing the root cause. You're not going back and creating these new beliefs by rewriting your story. So I hope that makes sense. And then one last thing I'll just say, because gosh, I really want people to get this is It's not the five PhDs that you talked about that qualifies you. It's not the coaching certifications. It's not the, it's not any of those things. It's not, you know, the stamp of approval from good housekeeping. Life qualifies you. Life has qualified you to be sitting here doing this work. My life has certainly qualified me. I know what it's like to come from nothing and to create everything. I know that everything is possible. Don't try to tell me that it isn't because I know I lived it, right? So when I do this work that I do, and sure, I have fancy trainings and backgrounds and all of that has been super helpful, but it is life that qualified me to do this. So I really want people to understand that. Just shift your perspective when it comes to this idea of being an imposter. No, you've lived it. (laughs) You get to share it. There's a few things that came up for me in that. One is our just natural inherent tendency to lean into confirmation bias. And it's interesting, I've been doing some reading lately. Like the most important thing we do to ourselves, psychology, is is lean into this need for congruence in who we think we are. And so if we think we are the victim, 
all of our energy goes into reinforcing that identity piece. And we're actually more stuck in needing to find evidence for who we think we are. Like that is the most important survival element to us than looking for evidence around who we could possibly be. What I find so fascinating about that, you know, even in my, in my own life and, and the things I had moved through when I was, when I was a teenager and I would drive back and forth between my, my parents' homes and they were mm-hmm. divorced, mm-hmm. Um, I would go to the library before I'd get in the four hour drive and I wouldn't buy it with like access that like next set of cassettes and they were cassettes from Tony Robbins. And I would play them in my car for four and a half hours back and forth. Like sometimes I would do music, but I still like, I'd rather geek out to like a podcast in my convertible than to music. My husband's horrified. It's fine. It's who, it's who I am. Um, <laughs> and I would listen to these Tony Robbins tapes. And I don't know what else he said other than the thing that struck me the most is what else could this mean? And what it did for me is it, it just actually, it started to break yeah. the brick wall of identity I had started to craft for myself. And it has actually become the single most important question I ask in my life at any given moment. And that is what else could this mean? And it always starts to destroy the foundation of limiting beliefs for myself because I can sit with effort and it's like, going to the gym. This is not the easier choice. The easier choice is to be like, well, I'm a victim once again, and this sucks and, and allow it to just like, that is like the osmotic flow. But if I put in some effort and actually get creative about what else could this mean, those answers are infinitely more empowering. And that story is way more interesting. And so this idea that we can author our own stories to me, that was the single most important question to enabling me to have a blank canvas around the next step. So that just came up for me as you were talking about all of those pieces. It actually take, it takes a little bit more work to blank canvas out the possibility. But I think probably we're both testaments to the fact that that is an element. Yeah. Well, I mean, you said you said the key word. And so, so there's several steps in rewriting your stories, right? And there's one really powerful tool I can give you that you can use in, in under a minute that will completely reset things for you and allow you this white space to have this new perspective because it's so smart of you to think that way. In fact, you know, I'm obsessed with coaching. Coaching saved my life. It changed my life. I certified coaches. It's the ultimate to freedom for for, for me. Um, And one of the most powerful coaching questions in the world is what we call the awe question, which stands for and what else, A-W-E and what else. So as you are looking at these, what else could this mean? Great, but keep going. And what else? And what else? And what else could this possibly mean? Right? Because there are lots of explanations. And here's the wild thing, Megan, is that they don't even have to be true. They don't. You just have to believe them or be willing to believe them. And they just have to serve you. They just have to serve your highest needs, your greater good, where you're going and and what your goals are. That's, That's really the case, right? And people say, well, Cynthia, you're delusional. That's delusional. Well, we're all delusional. We all Half of our beliefs all- are already not true. <laughs> I mean, stop it. Thank you, right? I mean, it's imposter syndrome with five PhDs. Stop talking. So, so that, first of all. <laughs> but the thing that you really hit on that I wanted to just double click is identity. Identity, identity, mm. identity. So we used to think in psychology years and years ago that the brain couldn't change. The brain just was what it was and you were stuck with it and that's it. And so that's why, you know, there were a lot of medications developed because you just couldn't 
change. And of course, now we know that's not true. And we're starting to see that more and more and more every single day with the research that goes on. In fact, we also used to think that you were very much driven by the past. And in some ways, you still are. But what we're starting to see now, especially with areas like narrative psychology and neuroscience, is that we're actually very drawn by our future. The problem is people automatically assume that their future is going to be just like their past. And they don't take time to go rewrite the stories of the past and create a new future. They don't take time to think about what's possible for this future. What could I actually do instead of just you know, putting one foot in front of the other and just doing the same old thing every single day. So we know that we're guided by our future selves, by our future identities. And so one of the most important things that we can do is when we go back and we rewrite these old stories and we looked at what happened to you and we give it a new explanation and we feel different emotions, then we can choose then who we want to become. We can say, gosh, that belief made me feel like an imposter. And I'm choosing moving forward to be this person. And I like to use I'm the kind of person statements. So for example, I used this earlier. A lot of people will say, I'm just not a morning person. I see your morning routine, getting a bit fab, doing your thing, you know, working out, blah, 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 Cynthia. I'm just not a morning person. Well, that's just a story, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, you could be a morning person if you chose it. But as long as you keep identifying as not being a morning person, you're not going to be. So start to create the identity that the future you would embody, right? So if you want to be getting up at five and doing all of these things before the kids have to to be tended to, then start saying things like, I'm the kind of person who, I'm the kind of person who gets up at 5am because I know I only have a limited time to get things done before I turn in to mama and the kids need my help. I'm the kind of person who, when my alarm goes off, 10 minutes afterward, I'm up. I'm up. I don't stay in bed because that's just the kind of person I am. I'm the kind of person who keeps my word. If I tell Megan I'm going to show up at this time for this thing, I will be there for her. And we start to create this new identity because, again, the brain doesn't know the difference, right? So if I say I am the kind of person who does what I say, when it comes time for me to show up for Megan, my brain's like, uh, show up. Remember, you are the kind of person who shows up, who keeps your word. So you have to craft a really powerful identity. Because the future is going to happen, right? We can all agree that the future is going. Thank goodness. I mean, stop. (laughs) And we're going to be a different person. Would you agree? I mean, we're not going to be the same person probably a week from now that we are today. I am radically different. I feel like every single year. So if that's going to happen regardless, why not create the person that you want to become? So what is it that you want in your life? And then what kind of person has the life that you say you want? And then how can you start to act as if today? Now, that being said, identity is key. If I could only teach one thing for the rest of my life, it would be identity. And (laughs) the kicker to this is you cannot create a new identity without going back and rewriting your old stories. Because every time you say, I'm the kind of person who's confident in my abilities, these old beliefs are gonna be like, no, remember you were the little girl at the birthday party who didn't quite fit in? No, you don't fit in here either. That's cute. It's cute that you think, but you're not. And the brain will win. These old beliefs that have been around for so long and just ingrained in who you are, they will win. And oftentimes it happens unconsciously. You're not even thinking about it. People say, why do I set goals? I I set the alarm, Cynthia. I do. I set it for 5 a.m. I bought the journal. Again, I eat, prayed, I loved. Why do I keep? Because you haven't rewritten these old stories. 
and chosen a new one. And until you can do that, forget about the identity. You can create it as long as you want. You can say, I want to be this person. Your unconscious mind will never let you get it. And so we stay stuck. And there's a difference between wanting something and making the decision. Thank you. So even in this rewriting of the of the story, you can be like, I want to be the person who gets up at 5 a.m. And then your brain's like, but I'm not. <laughs> As opposed to, I have decided I yeah. am the person who gets up at 5 a.m. And then it, it is, it's so much more absolute. It's almost like you've put your brain in its place. Because I was that awkward kid at the birthday party. And I have all sorts of circumstances that created that. And what that means for me now is, you can put me into a room anywhere. And I know I can handle it. I will just, I will just navigate the room. I didn't die as a kid. I figured out, like, I figured out how to handle being in those types of, those types of rooms. But the decision piece is really key. And I have found myself lately, we're in a big growth phase with my business and we were making a decision. I was laying out the decisions in front of me. Then I had like a really solid um, argument for decision A and decision B was a stretch. But decision B was the decision I would make running a $10 million company. And decision A was the decision I would make today. And I know where we want to be in the next 18 to 24 months. And I was like, well, then we have to go with decision B. And it was so clear because I, I practice doing these things. And I think yeah. part of it is practice. Like yes. we've, we all feel imposter syndrome in a variety of, of circumstances. And part of that is like practicing making an empowering choice and stepping into that, yeah. uh, that ring. And you realize you realize what you're made of. Like we, we all have this capacity to grow. That's a, that is a common feature of us as, yeah. as human. So I just wanted to throw that in because this is sort of like my real world uh, working through of everything that you were just talking about. Yeah. Well, you're doing all the right things, first of all. And by the way, even this idea of, you know, being a, a $10 million business owner, and this is the kind of decision they would make, like, that's a story, you know, you're just uh -huh. choosing the one that serves you. And that's what's going to make all the difference. And that's why you will. Don't we always? Yeah, 100%. Like I have an argument with my husband, I pick the story that's going to serve me. Like, <laughs> we do this, regardless of whether it's an imposter totally. syndrome moment, like we have this capacity to pick the story that serves. Like, yes. So don't pick and choose to like, today, I'm gonna let my story serve. And tomorrow I'm not like, you're gonna let the story serve, let it serve everywhere. Right. That's a hundred percent what I always say too. I mean, there's really, there's, there's really five core stories that we tell ourselves and, and each, each of us have a dominant stuck story. That's what I call them. And um, if you're interested in finding out what yours is, you can find uh, an assessment on my website, but there's five main ones. And underneath all five of those is one story that everyone tells themselves. And it's this story that I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And so anyways, it's it's something that you're right. We do all struggle with. The thing that I, I wanted to just kind of call back that you said is you're right. So many of us say, I want, I want, I want, I want. Remember, I told you the brain is always, it's always listening, first of all, and it believes you. <laughs> so when you say something like, I want, your brain goes, oh, Okay, cool. Yeah, you want. You want it. Okay. Don't we all? But so I'd like to challenge us all to start being more conscious with the language that we choose. If we know our brain is always listening, monitor your thoughts because your brain's listening to those too. But instead of saying I want, say I choose. I choose to have a $10 million business. And then the brain goes, Oh, oh, now we're choosing. Okay, well, well, that shifts everything, right? 
And then this other piece about your identity and making the decision from a $10 million business owner standpoint and doing what that person would do. Here's the thing that I think is really, really important. You just decide it, right? Now, decide literally means to cut off any other option. That means to decide, right? You cut off any other options. And so you have to actually decide. A lot of people throw around that word kind of haphazardly. Um, like, oh, I decided to lose weight. And then the next day they're going out for pizza and beers and all of these things. Well, that was never a real decision. If it would have been, right. going out would not have even been an option. But you decided, right? And you decided to act from this place and to act as if, which is really crucial. Now, what often happens is people will say to me, Cynthia, $10 million business. Well, right now, like, I don't know how to make that happen. I want to decide that I want a $10 million business, but how do I actually make that happen? And the truth is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And right now, you don't know. And that's okay. Because here's what happens, Megan. When you decide and you say, I am choosing to have this $10 million business, well, now you become a different person. Mm -hmm. And your brain goes, oh, got it. Okay, we're choosing. And when you make the decision that the $10 million person would have made, the reason you did that was because you're thinking differently now. You don't have to know how. Because once you make that decision, the brain will start to come up with new ideas. It will start to challenge you. And when you support it by making the decision that a $10 million business owner would make, you build more confidence, right? Which takes you to the next, which takes you to the next, which takes you to the next. So you don't have to know how your brain will figure that out for you. You will think in ways that you never have before when you embrace the identity that you want to have. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And it, yeah. I mean, we could layer all of this stuff around like, and then how, how these things get manifested and how we get focused on a goal. Like there's so many yeah. places that we yeah. can start to go, but it actually has to start like physiologically, it has to start with you making that choice and you making that, uh, making that decision because there's a, there's yeah. a boundary around, uh, those elements that, that does completely shift, uh, it's just the standard of thinking too, mm. that we have to adhere to when we move into that new realm. Here's my last real question for you, Cynthia, before we transition um, to something I call our impact ingredients. Um, yeah. What do you do in your life right now to cultivate the energy and the decisions around being unstoppable? And that's notwithstanding the fact that we all have days where like, I'm going to just sit and do nothing, even <laughs> though I thought I would. Like, we, we all, like, I really want to be very clear for everyone. When we move into the state of being unstoppable, it's not like... We're like, like, we're not energizer bunnies. Like there's a, there's a reality that goes into that too, but like to cultivate this notion of sort of forward, rapid, intentional progression, what do you put into your life to make that happen for yourself? That's such a great question um, with kind of a large answer. So I'll try to make it simple. <laughs> the, the truth is um, I practice what I preach. The reason I'm so passionate about this is because I've seen it completely change my life. I know where I came from. I know where I am. But the fact of the matter is, Megan, I wake up every single morning and I choose to remember who the flip I am. I understand that everything I've gone for has been for a bigger purpose. And I step into that. I know exactly where I'm going. I am so clear on mm -hmm. who I will be when I get there. Like there's not a doubt in my mind. I am very clear on my vision. I could tell you down to carpet colors in my home that I'm choosing to live in. Like I have a lot of clarity around where I'm going and I know who I am. 
And I rewrite my stories on a regular basis. I mean, dozens of times every single day because I'm still challenged by my own thoughts, my old stories, the world around us, other people, like you name it. But I use my own tools to get unstuck. I use the stuck story coaching method on myself. I use the short story coaching method on myself. And again, those are all on my website if you don't know what I'm talking about. And I really choose to embody my future self today. And my future self does things like sets really clear boundaries. You know, I do certain things like I don't take calls uh, before this time or after this time. Like I just don't do it. I have my priorities really clearly defined. And my first priority is myself. Now, that might sound very selfish. And I see no reason or, or nothing wrong, by the way, with being selfish, as long as it's for unselfish reasons. If I am my first priority, then that means I show up as a great mother, as a great wife, as a great teacher, as a great leader. If I'm putting myself last, I am none of those things to anyone. So I'm very clear on my priorities. My second priority is my family. If it comes down to me doing an interview and being with my family, my family will win every time. I don't have to think about it because I already have these priorities established and I have very, very strong boundaries. So I could go on and on and on about what works for me in my life. But the fact is, I have decided very clearly who I want to be. And anytime an old story from my past comes up, I go back and I rewrite it immediately. And then I get back to the business of being my future self. What are you, we're transitioning now to my impact ingredients, just so, cause no one can read my mind. And these are like, <laughs> these are, unfortunate. okay, let me just stop for a second. Cause I was like totally flowing there. Let me set the stage and take things out of my brain and put them into the conversation. So I'm really curious on, in a like sort of rapid fire, quick sense yeah. on, on some of the, some of the decisions and, and ways we do things that, that inform uh, the success of my Yes. And so it's with that spirit that I'm going to ask these next, uh, these next few questions. And the first one is, what are you working on with yourself right now? Mm. Whether it's a fitness piece, a personal development piece, like what, what are you working through right now? What are you working on right now to take things to the next level? Mm, such a great question. So the big project that I'm working on right now is writing my memoir. Oftentimes people will hear my story and they'll say, gosh, how'd you go from that <laughs> to where you are now? And so I'm putting that into a book form. And so what that's causing me to have to do is to write the story and also rewrite the stories um, that I created in my own head around the events that were happening in my life. So I'm doing a lot of deep work around trauma right now. And letting go of maybe other people's expectations, other people's stories, old stories I told, so that again, I can tell the story and share in the most authentic way I can in hopes that that shows people what's possible. So then they write their, rewrite their old stories and go for the life of their dreams. What is your motivational beverage of choice? <laughs> coffee. <laughs> <laughs> How do you take it? I know, just black. I am hardcore Megan. Just black coffee, first thing in the morning. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I love it. As an entrepreneur, were you born with it or did you learn to become an entrepreneur? I born with it. Yeah. I knew no entrepreneurs, knew no one who owned a business. Um, really super quick, fun story. I decided when I was a little tiny human that I was going to create a paper for my little local town and I was going to sell I it for a quarter too. day to day. 
no, listen, it gets better. Now, I didn't have a printing press or a typewriter. We certainly didn't have a computer. We barely had food to eat. But so what we did have was potatoes because potatoes were cheap and they were easy and they were filling. And so I decided, Megan, that I was going to get potatoes and carve out letters in each potato and that I would use a stamp pad to get the ink and then stamp it on the paper. Well, you, I mean, obviously this was not very well thought through. I got through the T. I started with T because I thought, well, that's a popular word. And the very first <laughs> newsletter I wanted to publish started, the first word started with the T. It was a disaster. The T never turned out. I was humiliated. And my first business very quickly came to an you end. You invented like a printing press, Cynthia. <laughs> like You need a new story around this. You were an innovator and it's okay. You learned quickly. Like no. this is... <laughs> Uh, that's beautiful. When you need to uh, cultivate courage or energy because there's something you need to do that you don't want to do, what's your go-to? Mm, my bigger why. My bigger why. My bigger vision for my my life, which is leaving a legacy that my daughter can be proud of through helping people discover what's possible for them and then going to get it. Um, yeah, that's that's really the big thing. You know what's so cool about your answer to that question, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful, by the way, is that my last question for everybody is always this. What do you want your legacy of impact (laughs) to be? And you you answered it to a T. You didn't have these questions (laughs) uh, beforehand. But knowing that, is there anything that you'd want to add to that response? Yeah, I think um, I think that's it. I mean, the the thing is, uh, for for my legacy, I my biggest goal is to inspire others to rewrite their stories by being an example of what was possible when I rewrote my own. And so every day I try to live as an example of what's possible. I pull back the curtain. I try to show other people how to do it too. And I hope that ultimately becomes the legacy that I helped people overcome all the old stories that they told themselves so they could finally be the person that they wanted to become in this one wild and precious life. Amazing. Cynthia Garcia, you are such an inspiration. You're up to so many awesome things. Where can we send our listeners to learn more about everything you're up to? Yeah. So uh, head to my website if you're interested in finding out what your dominant stuck story is and getting a whole training on how you go back and rewrite those old stories. You can just go to CynthiaGarcia.com slash stuck story. So CynthiaGarcia.com slash stuck story. And there's like a two minute assessment and you'll get everything that you need there. And then from there, all my social links and everything are on, but just CynthiaGarcia.com slash stuck story. Amazing. We will hook everyone up with all of the links and all the socials in our show notes. You can find those at MeganWalker.com forward slash podcast. Cynthia, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Megan. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for the impact that you're making in the world that allows people like me to do what I do every day. Oh, thank you, friend. Impact is what lives on when we leave the room, tuck them in, or step off stage. It is less about what you do, more about how you make them feel, and everything about how you choose to show up in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this episode. I am your host, Megan Walker. Until next week, aim for impact.